This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Tarzan and the Diamond of Asher. Queen of the Hesse Hare, offers Tarzan and his friends their freedom in exchange for the Father of Diamonds, the Hesse Harian talisman. Tarzan brings her the great gem, and instead of freedom, is imprisoned with Tom and Darno, Helen and Magra, in the Tower of the Sun. As the young women step out of their chamber, in the upper part of the tower, onto a hanging grill outside their window, they are attacked by the savage flying chouse of Tuanbaka. <laughs> Huge monsters, descendants of the prehistoric pterodactyls, swoop down on widespread wings. Great taloned feet, giant black beaks, curved and sharp as knives, ready to sink into the soft flesh of their prey. Below, in the small, high-walled court outside the chamber in which they have been confined, Tarzan, Darno, and Tom, attracted by the screams and the flapping of great wings, look up. Quick as thought, the ape-man's bow is strung. An arrow fitted, pulled back to its head by the mighty arm. With the speed of light, the winged messenger of death flashes upward to bury itself full length in the heart of the foremost vulture-like monster. Back into your room, Martha. Come on, keep on that waiting. Look, the others. They are diving down on the one you killed, Papa. Into their lairs 
and feed on it. It is like the torture of the ancient Parsis, who placed their victims on iron grills and left them for the vultures, eh? Justly, mes The word of that evil-hearted woman that we should go free in exchange for the diamond was... It's worthless. Yes, Darno. I'm going up that wall as soon as the spark can bring Margaret and Helen down here. Yeah, but how? We cannot not open the door from the inside. Up the wall. Impossible. Even if you could make it, how could you get them down again? If I only had my rope. As I have it, I'll carry them down. Uh, such an attempt can only result in a fall which would kill you, Tarzan, as well as your burden. I think not, Tom. I have seen Tarzan go up walls. However, perhaps Akil can get a rope. Of course. I hadn't thought of that. By the way, where is he? He has gone back to the temple to see what happened after we left. But he promised to return uh, at once. If you were so fortunate as to succeed in getting Helen and Magda down here, what do you intend doing then? Leave the city somehow. Mm-hmm. Akiru! Go inside and see what he has to report. Bien, Akiru, what happened? It is as I thought. The Council of Thirteen is now with Tira. Sutan hath been deposed and confined under guard. Tira hath the father of diamonds and is all-powerful. Ye three and I are to be sent to the deep mines. The young women... What about them? They are to be sacrificed to the god Marchu. When? On the morrow at the hour of sunset. There will be no sacrifice tomorrow night, Hakeru. Nor are we going to those mines. What canst thou do, Tarzan? Get out of this city. Escape. I would help ye to escape. To escape the wrath of Tira, my friend. Hast thou a plan? Hakeru, you get hold of a long rope... Aye, after dark. What wouldst thou with a rope? I am going up the wall to the grating and let Helen and Magra down here. T'were easier to use the stairs. But we cannot open the door to get to them. If Akeru were to leave the doors open on his departure... Oh, I see. If I help thee to escape, O Tarzan, wilt thou in turn help me to recover the father of diamonds from Tira, so that I may restore it to the rightful and legitimate ruler of Hesiaria, the Atef Suten? How can we help you? Uh, if Hakeru will get me into Tira's quarters unobserved, I will vouch for the return of the diamond. Sakari Tarzan, he is right. You remember you remained behind to see where Tira concealed it when she sent us through the passage to Sutan's quarters? Right. And while I go after Helen and Margaret, Tom will get the diamond. And what of Brian Gregory? Hmm. I have forgotten him for the moment. He'll have to be brought here. He can do ye no good in his present condition. But is there no way that spell can be broken? Yes, there is a way, Paul Darno. How? In the golden disk behind the Father of Diamonds, there is a cavity. It containeth a file wherein is a liquid, the formula known only to the priesthood. If some of that liquid were forced between Brian Gregory's lips... Ah, the more reason why we must have the diamond. Can you get Brian Gregory out of that temple, Hakeru? It may perhaps be done with the help of one man. I shall go to him. He may be relied upon. But Atan Tom, the golden disc is weighty. Mm-hmm. How wilt thou carry it alone? He's right, Tom. You can't handle it. Me, Rapelivu. It took three of Tira's men to carry it. Yes, yes, I suppose you are right. I could manage it alone, but uh, two of us, uh, Darno and I... Darno will go with you. Yeah. When you get the disc, bring it here. Nay, O Tarzan. I shall take Brian Gregory to the Sanut, which will carry ye to the rim of Tuanbaka. Atan Tom and Darno will bring the father of diamonds there. And thou, Tarzan of the Apes, must await us there with Helen Gregory and the maid, Margra. Right. Too many of us leaving this place together might attract attention. Yes. That's better, Hakeru. As soon as you are out, I'll go after Helen and Margra. Then the plan is 
for all of us to meet at the Senut car. And may auspicious omens guide our movements. We'll do our best, Tom, and let the omens take care of themselves. Meanwhile, Helen and Magra, confined in the upper chamber of the Tower of the Sun, three floors above Tarzan and his companions, realize that in place of having freedom of the city, they are again prisoners, and this time of the cruel, jealous queen of Hesse Hare. Oh, that queen. How I hate her. She's a cruel, wicked woman, Magra. Yes, but I expected nothing else from her. She was too agreeable to us there in the ceremonial hall. And while she talked and smiled at Tarzan and gave us the freedom of the city, she was planning this. And if it hadn't been for Tarzan, neither of us would be alive now. Those awful birds, so huge and... The dog. The queen. And the god. I, Tirard, the hefty hare, greet ye, women of the outer world. I thank you. These quarters are not quite as lavish as those you previously occupied. As prospective bides. But she shall not tarry long here. We thank you again. Our former quarters were not of our choosing. We would have been better pleased had we been left with our friends. Two of whom are dead. And the other three shall soon be worse than dead. So much for the word of a queen. Hold that young woman. Speak when thou art spoken to. I come to tell ye two that on the morrow, at the hour of sunset... Ye are to be offered to March Shu, the father of diamonds, in sacrifice. Thank you so much for the information. Yeah, you are a wicked woman. I only hope that the time will come when those flying beasts you hope to feed us to, and from which Tarzan saved us, will tear the flesh from your bones. The mighty Tarzan will soon be in no position to help anyone. And for your speech, my Magla... I shall be the one to wield the sacrificial knife over thy heart. Peace. Until the hour of sunset on the morrow. dark alleys and dim-lit streets, Hakeru, Tom, and Arno make their way quickly to a dark building near the great temple of Ma'atu. At the pressure of the Hesperian's hand, a bronze door swings open. At a sign from Hakeru, they descend a dark stone stairway, pass through a long, narrow tunnel illuminated by the blue-flamed lamps, ascend a second flight of stairs to enter at last a high-vaulted, gloomy corridor. A few quick, cautious paces, and they pause before a narrow bronze door concealed by a projection in the wall. We are now in the temple of Ma Chu. Behind this door lieth a passage used only by the queen herself. It leadeth directly to Tira's inner chamber. Good. We return the way we came? Aye. It is the longer way, but ye are less likely to be met by temple guards or priests. The house through which we came belongs to a member of the Council of Thirteen. Only he useth the passage. Go ye now. And may the gods of Hethiharia be with us this night. We should be our men. Come down, 
penchants acquérus. Good luck. Grasso, oh Dieu, this passage is lighted. We at least can see what is before us. Ponitira is not in that inner chamber. Let us hope that she has not removed the diamond from where you saw it. Tonnerre, I wish I had my automatic. Well, there should be weapons in Tira's room. One of those bronze swords, or at least a knife. However, I still have my pistol. A good day. Dom. Fallow. Look there. A snake in the middle of the passage. A great cobra. May Dieu me protège what a monster. Animals in this strange country all appear to come oversized. That great expanded hood. A bite from that fellow Dano and... And to reach our goal, we must pass him. So c'est impossible, Tom, without touching him. He is directly in our path. Come, my friend, we must. It is the only way. Go ahead, Dano. If he attacks, I shall use my pistol. Slowly, slowly, carefully. His eyes fixed upon the great swaying hood inches above his own head. Dano cautiously, step by step, moves along the wall. The perspiration stands in great beads on the Frenchman's brow as he approaches the huge, deadly reptile barring his path. Suddenly, the great head stops swaying, poises itself for a breathless instant, and strikes directly at Donald's face! Behold my glasses. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot, on surprises, and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are packs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Tarzan and the Diamond of Asher.
Tarzan and his friends are confined in the Tower of the Sun in the forbidden city of Asher. Akeru offers to assist them to escape if Tarzan will help him recover the Father of Diamonds from Tira's quarters, where she has it concealed. Tom, who knows where the gem is hidden, agrees to recover it with the help of Darno. As Tarzan goes to release Helen and Magra from the chamber in which they are held as sacrifices to the Hesiharian god Ma-Chu, Akeru leads Tom and Darno to a secret passage by which they may reach Tira's quarters. Akeru himself goes to bring Brian Gregory, held in the temple in a state of suspended animation, to the rendezvous, the car by which Tarzan and his friends hope to make their escape over the rim of Tuanbaka. As Tom and Darno proceed along the narrow passage to Tira's quarters, a giant king cobra with expanded hood and hissing angrily rises on its tail, barring their path. Darno, moving slowly, noiselessly, attempts to pass the reptile. The great head stops its sinister swaying, poises itself, and strikes directly at Darno's face. Tom's hand drops. His gun roars on the confines of the narrow passage. The heavy lead bullet smashes into the expanded hood of the cobra. The huge head glides harmlessly over Darno's shoulder to strike a wall behind him. Convulsively writhing and twisting, the deadly serpent drops to the floor. Tom steps quickly forward. Did, did it get you, Darno? Are you all right? Oui. Oui, Tom. It had struck the wall a hair's breadth from my face. That was a marvelous shot, mon ami. Je vous merci. Uh, it is nothing. Come, let us go on now. I only hope the noise does not bring all the guards in our share down about our ears. There may be more of those cobras here, Tom. Be careful. Uh, we have no time for caution now, Dano. Tarzan will be waiting us with Helen Gregory and Margaret at the railway. And Hakeru, if he wins through, with her brother. And uh, we must move fast. Yes, there, the end of the passage. A bronze door. Tom, if we should walk into a room full of guards, <laughs> then Tarzan and the others must go on without us. Eh, but we shall do our best with those guards if they are there, eh? Vraiment. Bien, here is the door. And may the all-seeing guide our footsteps. Eh, but we are hesitating, Dano. I am going to open the door. Allons. Good fortune is with us. That chamber is empty. Yes. And it is the sleeping room of our gracious Queen Tira. Quickly now, that death's head shrine over there. Father of diamonds and the golden disc are behind it. But, but it is built into the wall. How are we going to open it? The face, the face, a cavity behind the thing. Mm, if I can only remember which stone opens it. Ah, here. Uh, she has not removed the. to carry it in. Get a large one. Hurry, someone is coming. Put the disc on the bed and cover it with those furs. Eat! Mm-hmm. There, the now. So, leave it there. That door tone through which we came. We must close it. If they find it, open. Here, Tom, behind this stone seat. It will shield us. Mm. They enter here. We are lost. Quiet now. Grasso Dieu. The guard is not coming in. Look. She is going. 
the shrine to gloat over the diamond which is no longer there. And if we show ourselves, she will call her God. What? She is opening the shrine. Meanwhile, Tarzan has left his tower chamber, closed the door, and mounted a circular flight of stone steps to the upper landing. Four bronze doors confronting. One of them opens into the room in which Helen and Magra are confined. Unhesitatingly, he moves to the first. A pressure of his hand against the stone. The door swings slowly open. A quick glance reveals an empty chamber. Closing the door, he goes on to the next. It swings open to his touch. Silent, grimly motionless as a statue, the ape-man stands beside the opening. Abruptly, a tall Hesiherian steps noiselessly out into the corridor. A bronze knife flashes. Quick as thought, Tarzan catches the other arm. That band of steel, the fingers of his free hand encircle the man's throat. A long, silent moment they stand so. Then the ape-man drops the strength Hesiherian inside the room. He closes the door and steps swiftly to the third portal. It opens at his touch. Alert, ready, Tarzan stands waiting. Isn't that funny? The door opens and no one is there. Well, it looks like an invitation from heaven knows where for us to leave. You, Helen, do not go out. There may be another trap. You're wrong this time, Margaret. Tarzan! Why, why, Tarzan, how did you get there? Why, we thought you... So loud. There are guards in the tower. Wait, I'll close the door. But Gerard said you and Paul and Atantum were to be sent to some kind of mine. And you two are to be sacrificed. I know. Hakeru told us. But we're going to no mines and you're not going to be sacrificed. We're leaving our shares. Leaving our share? How, Tazan? When? Tonight. As soon as Tom and Darno return and Hakeru. Where have they gone? Are they free? Thanks to Hakeru, we are all free, more or less. But I do not understand. Tom and Darno have gone after the father of diamonds. Hakeru after Helen's brother. We must have the diamond to free him from that spell he is under. Hakeru told us about the pocket behind the diamond and the golden disc. Oh, I hope he will. But... Quiet. Someone is coming. In Tira's chamber, Tom and Darno crouch behind the great stone seat and watch as the queen, having dismissed her guards and closed the door, approaches the little death's head shrine. As she places her hand on the opening stone, Tom steps noiselessly from behind the bench, crosses the room swiftly to pause directly behind the unsuspecting Tira. As the little shrine door opens, she leans forward to peer into the empty cavity. She straightens, steps back into Artan Tom's waiting arms. With a quick hand, he smothers her cry of amazement and fright. My queen, do not cry out again. I shall twist that beautiful throat as quickly as... Hmm, that is better. Now, let us talk as friends, eh? Come down, now. Oui. Don Tom. Paul Darno. What seek you here in the chamber of Tsar? Hmm, we have already found that which we seek, O oh gracious Tira. And this time you will not be given the opportunity to break your word. Tira hath not broken her word. You were placed in the Tower of the Sun... Out of reach of the Council of Thirteen until I could have you all conveyed out my share. Oh, very considerate of you, Tira. But your deep interest in our welfare is, uh, at the moment, somewhat embarrassing. And likewise, your intention of entertaining us at your minds. Not to mention the little matter of sacrificing Ellen, Gregory, and Margaret. Enough. What is your wish? 
Nothing, my queen, from you. We have that which we came for. It remains for us only to leave you to your much-needed rest. We take with us the father of diamonds. Father of diamonds? Couple, Tom, she is planning some new deviltry. Look, Aunt Tom, fall down now. If I put ye all, men and women, safely over the rim of two and Barker, will ye... Look out! Tom, she has a knife! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, she has a knife, fall down now. Rati, Rex, Another such attempt at I, and this knife of yours will find its sheath in your wicked heart. Take her feet down now. No, don't we, we put her on that bench. No, and then bind her with her own garments. Yes, yes, quickly. Her call may have aroused the guard. Ah, oh, if oh, your oh, guards oh, enter here now, it will mean your death. Get quiet. We intend you no harm. But we also intend to leave you in a position where you cannot harm us. Why, this cloth cord, it is rusty thing for her hands and feet. Yeah, and she will have to be gagged. Tie that cord tight, Donald. Maybe. Make sure of her. If she should get loose before we are out of this den of savages... Mm. Mm. So, oh, my good Tira, by the time you free yourself from those sailors' nuts, Dano I trust you up with... Be uh, not home. Mm. Hurry, the disc. Come on. Huh? Open the door to the passage. I, I can manage the golden disc that far alone. Yes, but hurry. Mm. Ah, I'm glad you came with me. Yeah, this is much heavier than I expected. Help me through the door. Mm. Ah, so, now close it. Hello. At least we are out of that chamber. Here, let me help now. Oh, but this thing is heavy as lead. We have a long way to go. Back in the Tower of the Sun, in Helen's and Margaret's chamber, Tarzan warns two young women to silence with a quick gesture and leaps behind the door as it swings slowly open. Two Hesiharian guards advance into the room, their eyes on the women. As the ape man moves noiselessly out from his place of concealment, one of the men catches the movement from the corners of his eyes. He turns, whips out his bronze sword, shouts to his companion. With his cry of warning, the guard leaps toward Tarzan. The bronze sword raised to strike. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Tarzan and the Diamond of Asher.
Tira, Queen of the Hesse Hare, promises Tar and his friends their freedom in exchange for the Father of Diamonds. Instead, she has them confined to the Tower of the Sun. Hakiru offers to help them escape if they will assist him to recover the Hesseharian talisman from Tira. Tome, the only member of the party who knows where the gem is concealed, goes to the Queen's chamber, accompanied by Darno, to recover it. Brian Gregory is held in the Temple of Ma'achu in a state of suspended animation, and Hakiru agrees to bring him to the Sanut, the car which is to convey the party over the rim of Tuanbaka to freedom. Tarzan himself goes to the upper floor of the Tower of the Sun, to the chamber where Helen and Magra are confined. As the ape man and the two young women are preparing to leave, the door begins to swing slowly open. With a gesture of silence to Helen and Magra, Tarzan leaps behind the barrier. Two armed Hesseharians advance into the chamber, their eyes on the young women. As the ape man moves noiselessly out from his place of concealment, one of the guards catches the movement from the corner of his eye. He turns, whips out his bronze sword, calls to his companion. With his shout, he leaps forward, weapon upraised to strike. Tarzan slips under the blow, catches the guard by arm and waist, lifts him high over his head, hurls him head foremost against the wall. The second Hesseharian makes a rush for the open door. Before he has taken three steps, Tarzan catches him. The man's mouth opens to shout. Steely fingers break deep into his throat. A moment later, the ape man tosses the unconscious guard aside. Come, Mugger. Helen, you've got to move fast now. Where do we go, Tarzan? Out. Down these stairs. Fast. Never mind the noise. If there are any more guards, I'll take care of them. Wait, we'll close this door. Now, come on. Paul, they're not on tomb. Do we meet them? Never mind them. They'll probably be waiting for us. Where, Tarzan? At the salute car. We're all to meet there. Those two guards. Back in our room, they are. Are they dead? Stunned. Unconscious. They're not hurt. Here's the outer door. Just a minute. I'll see if the street is clear. But the door is open. Our cable left it so when he and the other went to the temple. All right. There isn't a soul in sight. Come on, hurry. Here. This way. We're coming. Hurry, Marjorie. Around that building ahead there. Then straight down the street to the edge of the city. It's a long run. If only I went home. And Lieutenant... No, are they? Oh, it's in the tower. One of those guards. He's raising the alarm. Look at that low building beside the tower. Soldiers are pouring out of it. They see us. They're coming. in the secret passage leading from Tira's quarters, Tom and Arno stagger along under the weight of the Father of Diamonds and its golden disc as swiftly as they can. Crowding past the dead cobra, they gain the dim, high-vaulted corridor of the temple, hurry along it toward the little door opening into the passage under the street. Hello. So far, so good. Now, if we only can find that door. Mon Dieu, Tom. Are those voices calling this way? If we are found we here... It's the door to the passage under the street soon. It must be closed now. If we have not passed it. We have come this far. We must win through before the crowd beats us. The door is on your side. Watch for it, Dano. May we, Tom. We have passed nothing that even resembles a door. And this... Oh, this accursed thing is getting heavier with each step. For the love of food, a faster. If we are caught, it will mean worse than death. Oh, oh we cannot be far from that. There, just ahead on your side. La porte, l'homme de Monsieur the door. 
Quickly, this down and to raise the opening stone. Beat, beat. Hurry, don't move, Jill. Hurry. I, I have it. There. Inside. Quick. Here. Drop the disc. And I close the door. Hurry. So near the breast. But that was cutting it too thin. Yes, Dano. Much too thin. Help me to get the disc on my back. I think I can manage it alone through this passage. Oh, there. Oh, there. I shall balance it now. And when you are tired, let me try. Ready? Yes. Come on. Down through the dimly lit passage, Tom staggers with diamond and disc upon his back, down walking beside him, helping when he can. They climb the narrow stone stairs at the end of the tunnel and arrive at the bronze door in the outer wall of the building to which Hakeru brought them. Let it down, Dano. Oh, I must rest. Yeah. Yeah. a breathing spell, mon ami. Then we must, we must continue. We still have a long way to go to reach the Sanutka, to the end of the street. Uh, if Tarzan were only here now. Hey, my friend. He would pick that thing up as though it were a sack of feathers and run with it. Yeah, this door is in the outer wall of the house. Uh, right on the street. I shall open. white-bearded Nishem approaches and is about to pass the wall projection where Tom and Dono are sealed, he pauses. His beady old eyes have caught a reflection from the golden disc leaning against the wall at his feet. He steps forward to investigate. Quietly, Tom moves out into his path, a grim smile on his lips. Quietly, oh, high priest, we intend you no harm. I have him, Tom. He will make no noise now. I have... But, Tom, you spoke the... You... <laughs> I had forgotten for the moment that he speaks English. I merely want him to be quiet in his own tongue. Then you do speak their language. I had an idea, Monsieur Tom that you knew more of all this than you led us to believe. <laughs> they speak the ancient Egyptian, Dano. I happen to be rather familiar with the language. Hey, pourquoi? Why did you not let uh, us know? No time for explanation now, my friend. We will go into that later. Find the old gentleman and gag him. Uh, we must get on to the Sinut car. Yes. Then we shall leave him here, then. Yes. Hurry. I shall find his feet. Quickly. There. He is as safe as is the lustrous Tira. He will not get out of those not so quickly. And now, see who's afraid? Yes. I shall open the door. We will carry the disc between us home, no? Alone you will kill yourself before... What is that noise? A crowd, my... I do not see anyone in the street, though. Stay in the shadow of the walls. That moon is bright as daylight. But the door! Never mind it now. We cannot waste time searching for the stones. Come down, now. 
They are not out of this yet. The crowd. They are guards, no doubt. Either they have learned that Tarzan's escaped from the tower with Ellen and Magra, or... Firai has broken loose from her bonds and set them on our trail. They seem to be coming this way. The noise is getting louder. Faster, my friend, faster. This way. That more building at the end of the street. The salute car is there. Hey, if the others are not there waiting for us, we are... Oh, look! Home coming around that corner into the street. Tarzan, Ellen, and Magra. Yes, and behind them, Hesse Harriet is going to be a very close race, my friend. If only our hero has won through with Brian Gregory. Wait, hold! Oh, no, easy, don't. We'll catch our breath. With Tarzan carrying the disc, we have a chance. Yes, give me that disc. You two look after Helen and Mark. Come on, fire. I've been told. Oh, thank heavens you've made it. Look over there. The tent door is open. Um, here's the Harriet. Now we are in for it, Tarzan. We have further to go than we have. We, Tarzan, but guards from the tower and guards from the top. Such great. This is going to be very close. What happened to Hakero? Did he get through? And we left him in the temple. He is to meet us at the salute car with Gregory. I'm home. I can't run no more. Go on. Without me. Do not wait. Here, child. Here. I will carry you. No, no. Thank you. I cannot. Come, come. I'm in my shield. Oh, I'm coming, Bob. I don't need it, but I'll make it. Help Margaret and not on Tom. Just a few steps, Al. I'll throw this disc into the salute car. Tom, you and Arno help the girl there. And we'll stand the guards off until Hakiru gets here. I'm afraid we will have to go without Gregory or Hakiru. I do not see him. Good, there, Tarzan. Those fellows are gaining on us fast now. Here we are. Arno, help Helen and Margaret. Hakiru, where is he? And Brian? Never mind them. Get into the car and stay there. May Munadi, we cannot hope to hold that crowd for any length of time. There, there are too many. It is certain death. We'll try to stop them as they come to that little passage to the second car. It's narrow. We must hold them there. Come on. Hakeru! 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 Dano, thinking only to delay the Hesseherians long enough for his friends to mount the salute, rushes out to meet the foremost guards. Several of them surround him at once. He stands solidly, lashing out with clenched fists and a grim smile on his lips. A huge Hesseherian leaps his back. The others swarm over both men as they sink to the ground. With a yell of warning, Tarzan springs forward to the help of his friends. <laughs> Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Tarzan and the Diamond of Asher.
In the forbidden city of Asher, Hakeru offers to aid Tarzan and his friends to escape if they will help him recover the Father of Diamonds. Dono and Tome go after the sacred gem, and Hakeru sets out to bring Brian Gregory to the Sanute car. On their way from the Tower of the Sun, Tarzan, Helen, and Margaret are joined by Tome and Dono, who have the diamonds. A menacing horde of Hatharian soldiers gradually closes in on them. As the refugees arrive at the Sanute, Hakeru suddenly appears through a secret trap bearing Brian Gregory. While Helen and Margaret gain the salute, Tarzan, Tom, and Darno hold back the enraged Hazarians. The Frenchman walks straight into the midst of the snarling pack, only to go down under the weight of a half dozen guards. With a cry of warning, Tarzan springs to the aid of his friend. Following the ape man's progress is a huge Hazarian, bronze sword upraised. Tarzan stoops, grasps the giant by the ankles, and in one swift movement, swings the man round in the air. Like marionettes, the guards fall right and left as the ape man with his human war club takes a path to where Darno lies. He raises the heavy harian above his head and hurls him crashing into the faces of the closely packed throng. Quickly, he lifts the Frenchman to his feet. As he runs for the snoot, the savage heavy harian pulls him swiftly behind them. The exhausted Darno stumbles, falls. In full stride, Tarzan catches him up, swings him to a broad shoulder. A final leap, and the ape man's free hand grabs the edge of the metal car. Let go the brakes, Akeru. Quick! With a shriek! Grinding metal, this new begins to move. Tarzan tosses his friend into the car. A mighty bound, and the ape man himself is safe. Everybody safe? Brian Gregory? Yes, Tarzan. But he is still under the influence of that horrible diamond. What do you hear at Hakeru's diamond? Well, we thought we would have to leave without you, Hakeru. How did you get Gregory here, eh? A secret passage leading from the temple to the Sanuk. It is known to but a few. May, Elaine's brother, Akeru. How do we bring him back to life? In a moment, we shall be at the rim of Tuanbaka. Then, uh... Now that we be free, I shall show ye. Tarzan of the apes, come here. Behold this bag. It containeth the blue veils made from cloth of glass. Whosoever weareth the blue veil may gaze at the father of diamonds and remain untouched by its power. I understand. Go on. Let each of thy friends and thou, O Tarzan, place a veil over his eyes. Right. Here, one for each of you. Put them on. What next, Akeru? The third carved lotus leaf to the center of the golden disc. Press it. The disc will open. As Tarzan places his hand on the delicately carved leaf, the yellow disc slides open to reveal the glittering, dazzling effulgence of the great gem. Through the blue veils, the little group gazes full into the unearthly brilliance. Now place thy hands in the opening behind the sacred gem, O Tarzan of the Apes. Thou wilt find an ivory file. Take it and press again upon the lotus leaf. Following Hakeru's instructions, Tarzan brings forth the small white file, presses the lotus leaf, and the disc closes. Ye may now remove the veils. Six drops of the liquid from the file, O Tarzan, forced between the lips of Brian Gregory, will restore to him his powers of animation. Hold his head back, Donald. Maybe. There. He swallowed it. Look. His eyelids are moving. He's... Brian. Brian. Don't you know me? It's Helen. Helen. You here? And you? Tom? Margaret? Akira? Yes, Brian. Yes, we're all here. What happened? Oh, that hellish diamond. It made me look into it without a veil. After that, I don't remember. Oh, dear, dear, Brian. Don't think about it anymore. It was so long ago. Long ago? Yes, over a year. A year? No, Helen. Only last night. And I, I can't remember after that. But these two men, who, who are they? Tarzan of the Apes 
And Lieutenant Darno. They helped me find Asher and you. And, and Father, didn't he come with you? Oh, yes, he... He did. He... He was killed back in the jungle. Father? Dead, you say? Yes, Brian Gregory. Killed in a fight with natives. And... And you, Tom. You came for the diamond after all, eh? Yes. As I told you so long ago, the brain can overcome all obstacles. Descend from the Sanut. He will find the other car on the outer rim. Come. Are you able to walk alone, Brian? Perfectly, Helen. I feel as though I've been asleep. And now, Tarzan, thou who hast saved my life, I ask thee to die part of the agreement. Return to me the father of diamonds, that I may bring the Atef Suten back to his rightful place on the throne of the Hesi Hair. The golden disc is still in the car, Hakeru. Take it. We have what we came for, Helen's brother. Wait, Tarzan. You have what you came for, but not I. What do you mean? Brian Gregory meant nothing to me. Means nothing to me now. The father of diamonds was and is everything. I came here for it, and I shall leave only with it. No one can stop me. I can't home. Please do not be ungrateful to Tarzan. You owe him your very life. Silence, Magra. I want the gem as much for you as for myself. Tom, the father of diamonds goes back to Washer with Hakeru. I have given my word. I yielded the leadership to you, Tarzan, back there in the jungle. I obeyed your directions, assisted you and your friends to be where you are at this moment. That and more I was willing to do. But give up the father of diamonds? Never! But, Tom, we gave our word. You, perhaps, but not I. You're all mad. Here is the wealth beyond the king's ransom. You are willing to let it go back with his barbarian to lie useless in that marble casket? Tarzan, we shall divide the value of this stone in as many shares as you say. Helen, her brother, don't know you. No, Tom. I have given my word. That diamond is still in the car which brought us up here. As soon as we are down the outside, Hakeo will return the stone to our share. He will never do that, Tarzan. Not while I live. And to stop your interference. <laughs> Tarzan! Magra! Is it? She stepped between you as Tom fired. With the ferocity of a panther, the ape man leaps at Tom. Stretches the gun from his hand. Iron fingers wrap themselves about his throat. A mighty arm lifts the helpless man from the ground. Shakes him like a carrier shakes a rat. Tom's hands strike weak, futile blows at Tarzan. Then drop limply as he loses consciousness. Wait, O Tarzan. Wait. Do not kill him. Why not? He deserves it. Do not kill him, mighty Tarzan. Let me take him back to our share. There he will find a punishment. A living death. Such as Brian Gregory experienced. Akeru is right, Tarzan. Let him have his wish. We must leave this place now. Magra is badly wounded. Right. Tom won't come to before you get back to our share, Akeru. Take him with a diamond. Yes, Tarzan. Ready. Beat. Beat. Coming, Darno. Coming. Goodbye, Hakeiro. Good luck. Farewell, Tarzan of the Apes. Farewell. How is she, Darno? Badly hurt? I'm afraid so, mon ami. Gregory, can you manage this car? Yes, I'll handle it. Then let's go. Swiftly as a bird, the car rushes to the foot of the volcano. Tarzan looks tenderly at the burden in his arms. Is she conscious, Helen? Yes, sir. Her eyes are open. Do small. Do small. She is trying to speak. Yes. Let me hold her. There. There, Margaret. Is that better? The, the bullets, Tarzan, they did not hurt you. No, Margaret. Why did you step in? She's weakening, Elaine. Perhaps it were better she did not try to talk. No, I'm afraid it doesn't make much difference, Paul. Brian was right. Those bird wounds are fatal. Oh, why was I so stupid? I should have known that Tom was desperate. My fault, Arno. 
I knew he was ready to kill, but I thought he wouldn't. He's trying to say something to you again, Tarzan. Tarzan. Where are you? Right here, Margaret. Holding you in my arms. Don't give up now. You've been such a brave girl. You'll be all right. No, Tarzan. This is the end for Magra. Helen. Oh, yes, Magra. Dano. To pray to Magra. You and Helen will be happy. I know. Oh, Magra, poor from four. Tarzan. Yes, Magra. Savage face prophesied truly that wolf, blossom, then tomb, and now Magra would die before the full of the moon. No, Magra. <laughs> no. Hear me, Tarzan. This is the happiest moment of my life. I I love you, Tarzan, and I am glad to die. Glad, because only so would you ever hold me in your and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
hot, red sun burns its swift way down through the west, its broad orange shafts painting in bold relief gray boles of giant trees. Four whites, their bodies only half-covered by ragged, trail-worn clothing, cut their way through a dense mass of tangled underbrush and emerge into a small, natural clearing. Four exhausted whites, three men and a young woman, all that remains of the once great Burton Ashley expedition, which left Nairobi many weeks back with a long queue of Amazulu fighting men, Swahili trackers, and Uganda carriers to plunge into the trackless jungles of South Central Africa in search of the ancient and forgotten city of Tor. The little party consists of Major Burton Ashley, head of the enterprise, Jeanette Burton, his American ward, Terence O'Rourke, a happy-go-lucky adventurer, and the inscrutable Chinese scientist, Dr. Wong Tai. As they break through into the clearing, the noises of the great jungle seem for the moment hushed to a mere echo of blurred sound, rising and falling like the surf on a remote shore. It's hot. I think we've gone far enough for one day. Camp here, and in the morning... And in the morning, Uncle Jim, we'll cut our way through more jungle. Hey, the saints of the old sod. A little of that goes a long way. <laughs> it's work for blacks, not for white men. You said it, Terry. I feel as though I've been cutting thornbush oh, for ages, at least. I'll admit, Uncle Jim, I am tired. You'll do, my dear. You're as good a man as any of us. Chin, chin, which means, Dr. Wong? It is an aphorism of the great Chinese philosopher Kung Fu Tse, Confucius. It means true gold fears no fire. And it fits you like an old shoe, Kushla. Well, thanks to all of you. Well, but let's dispense with compliments long enough to make some sort of camp. Uncle Jim, if you and Harry will get wood for the fires, Dr. Wong and I will start clearing away some of this brush. Right, my dear. Come along, Terry. Dr. Wong, do you, do you think we'll find our way out? We can't last very much longer on the few supplies we have left. You are worried, my dear? Frankly, I am. Since we lost most of our supplies and equipment in crossing that river back there, and, and since the safari deserted, I, I'm afraid. Afraid? But there is nothing to fear. Other expeditions have experienced greater difficulties. Well, I suppose they have, but tell me frankly, Dr. Wong, are we lost? Uncle Jim and Terry won't admit it. It is better to leave all things to their natural course and not to interfere with our destiny. Well, you're quibbling, Dr. Wong. Chasing the devil around the bush. <laughs> Which is a great deal better, my child, than letting him catch you. The all-seeing will surely guide our footsteps in the right direction. Well, he hasn't been very much on the job since our safari walked out of Backed by a reasonable amount of activity on the part of our protecting ancestors, we shall find our way back to civilization eventually. Eventually? <laughs> With this handful of supplies? Oh, why did all those unfortunate things have to happen to just our expedition? The shadow moves as the sun directs, Janet. We shall win through and... Oh, Janet. Here we are. Plenty of firewood. And Terry, with the luck of the Irish, almost fell into a water hole within a few yards of the clearing. Oh, well, thank heaven for that. But where is he? Right here, of course, sir. With two canteens of fresh water. Mm. Now, if you give me yours and wands and they mix the water bags, I'll be going back and I'll fill them up. Good heavens. What was that? Oh, it was only a cry of a hunting leopard, of course, You never heard a leopard sing out like that, Terry. A human voice out of that cry. It is sometimes difficult to distinguish the difference, Major. 
Orlok should know. Nevertheless, he's wrong this time. By Jove, I say. Perhaps we're close to a native Mayata or village. I'm going out there to have a look. Oh, no, Uncle Jim, don't go, please. I think there was something weird, menacing in that scream. Oh, please, Uncle Jim, don't go. Don't be foolish, my dear. If we've stumbled onto a village, we'll be able to hire guides to lead us out of this infernal jungle. We've plenty of time to investigate. It won't be dark for another hour or two. Come on, Terry, we'll have a look-see. That call sounded as though it came from a great distance, Major. It might be better to wait until morning. We will have more time then to... Uncle Jim, Terry, look. Look there at the edge of the clearing. Where? What is it? I don't see anything. It, it's gone now. When Terry turned, it disappeared. What was it, Akusha? What did he see? A, a face. A hideous yellow face. It was staring at me from behind those bushes. A face? Yes. It looked like... Oh, I don't know. You are certain it was not that of some animal? A lion, perhaps, or leopard? No, no. No, I'm sure that it was a human face. But repulsive, yellow, hairless... Its eyes glared at oh, me. Oh, a touch of the sun, Mavonin. The reflection of one of them trees No, there. Terry, no. I saw it plainly. Come on, Terry. We'll soon find out. He'll be staying here with Jeanette and Dr. Wong, Mr. Terry O'Rourke will be the one to do the investigating. I'll be back before dark. If I need you, I'll fire a couple of shots. Well, be careful, Terry. Oh, don't worry, of The sinking sun beats diagonally into the purple mist of the jungle. As a mile distant from the clearing, the mighty Tarzan and his friend Paul Darno, French naval lieutenant, make their leisurely way along a shadowed forest path. Traveling alone through the jungle, Tarzan and Darno are on their way to investigate the activities of Arab slave traders in a distant territory. Oh, we're nearing a waterhole, Darno. We'll camp there tonight. It has always been a mystery to me, Tarzan, how you find your way about this trackless waste and yet always manage to locate water. Uh, call it my animal instinct and let it go with that. You are but joking now, mon ami. Mais, sérieusement, I believe you are right. It can be nothing less than instinct that guide you through the jungle. Well, why not? I've lived all my life here. It's simply that I'm at home as you are in Paris. Oui, c'est vrai. Yet, as often as I've been in the jungle with you, I still marvel at these seemingly impossible things you do. Nothing impossible about it. My training has been different from that of other men, that's all. <laughs> that is all. We'll be in Ahmed's territory in three or four days at the speed we're traveling. Ahmed. And you think he is the man we are seeking? I believe so. He's a wily old eagle, willing to turn his hand to anything at a price. <laughs> Monsieur le Commissionnaire certainly was surprised when you mentioned Ahmed in connection with slave trading. I suppose that's why I didn't take much stock in what I had to say. Yet, had it not been for your vast knowledge of the jungle and your wide acquaintance among the natives, he would not have agreed to this investigation. You uh, know Ahmed? Only by reputation through the natives. Slave trading, they say, is only one of his many sidelines. I, I suppose he is not averse to smuggling a little ivory now and then? No. He cheats the Swahilis out of it, or deliberately steals it from them. At least, that's the rumor. A man who on the coast enjoys an enviable reputation as the grand trader in ivory and special agent of the chieftains of the interior, while inland he is merely un vieux voleur, un thief, eh? Mm, something like that. But unless you catch him red-handed, you're going to have a hard time proving him guilty. He's one of those cunning, venerable old Mohammedans who... What is it, Tarzan? Smoke. Non, but you have the nose of a wolfhound. 
Why? I do not smell it. Coming down the wind from the direction of the waterhole. Probably a native hunting party or Mayapa. No, I'd have got the scent of natives or we'd have heard the drums. Mm, if not native, then... Kamangani. White men. A small camp. No safari. White men? Alone in the jungle, Tarzan? Oh, not reasonable unless... They... Unless their bearers have deserted, which does happen. We... We say, sir. We shall investigate, mon ami. Wait a minute. Listen. Numa and Peter. Stalking human prey between us and that camp. We'll take to the trees from where we can see. Here, I'll carry you. Swing Dono to a broad shoulder, the ape man take to the trees and head swiftly toward the sound. Meantime, O'Rourke, having found and followed a set of strange footprints beside the bush in Kitted Jeanette, emerges abruptly into an elephant track a quarter mile from the clearing. In the broad path, the prints vanish among those countless others made by the beasts of the forest. The Irishman turns to retrace his steps. The flash of a tawny shape beside the trail. A low, throaty snarl. O'Rourke glances up into the glowing yellow eyes of a huge black-maned lion crouched squarely in his path. Just above the Irishman's head, the low-hanging branch of a juniper tree. Throwing the sting of his rifle over his shoulder, he leaps into the air. Clawing fingers hook themselves about the branch. With an earth-shaking roar, the lion hurls himself forward. Scrambling desperately, O'Rourke pulls himself onto the broad limb, and the beast hurtles through space, bare inches below him. A snarling cry from over his head causes O'Rourke to look up quickly. On a thick branch just above him crouches the long, lithe body of a snarling leopard. Hastily, the Irishman unslings his rifle, throws to his shoulder. The jungle terror launches itself upon him. With a scream of rage and pain, the wounded brute strikes O'Rourke, knocking the rifle from his hands. Together, man and beast hurl to the ground below. In the trail, the lion, with a savage roar, gathers himself to spring upon the fallen man. Tarzan and Darno drop down through the trees with dizzy speed to land in the jungle path. Darno leaves the ape man's back, unslings his rifle to face the wounded leopard. With an ear-splitting roar, the lion charges. A mighty bound and Tarzan clears the body of the confused O'Rourke and lands in the path between him and the onrushing beasts. Riga! Riga! Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, did You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
Deserted by their safari, lost in the trackless jungles of South Central Africa, Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Terence O'Rourke, and Dr. Wong Tai, the four remaining members of the Burton Ashley expedition, go into camp in a little clearing. Tarzan and Darno, on the trail of Arab slave traders, are passing near the Burton Ashley camp. The angry roars of a nearby lion and a panther convince the ape man that the beasts are stalking human prey. Carrying Darno, he takes to the trees and heads swiftly in the direction of the sound. O'Rourke, in following the footprints of a strange half-human creature, is treed by a lion and attacked in the tree by a savage, snarling leopard. With a shot from his rifle, he wounds the leopard, but is thrown to the ground as the brute falls from the tree. He lies stunned and confused in the jungle path. As the lion is about to spring upon him, Tarzan and Darno, descending swiftly through the branches, land on the trail. Darno drops from the ape man's shoulder and kills the leopard with a bullet from his rifle. As the crouching lion hurls himself toward the half-conscious Irishman, Tarzan leaps forward with a challenging cry of the bull ape. As the lion charges, the ape-man steps nimbly aside. Before the brute can turn and gather himself for a second charge, Tarzan leaps upon his back, his feet locked beneath the tawny belly. With the speed of a striking snake, a bronzed, muscular arm whips around the huge neck. O'Rourke, staggering to his feet, stares in stunned amazement as the great beast tries desperately to free itself from the clinging man-thing. Then Tarzan's long, keen-bladed knife plunges again and again deep into the great heart. With a last choking snarl, the savage brute staggers, sinks lifeless to the ground. By the... Oh, by, by the great saints of the old side. Bravo, Tarzan. Encore une fois, you have, you have done the impossible. Sheeta, the leopard? He is dead, mon ami. As dead as that lion. Faith, man. Who are you? What sort of man are you that, that kills lions with your bare hands? I am Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan of the... Of the Apes? Me? You are not hurt, monsieur? No, I... I was only not dizzy when that panther and me hit the ground together, but... Did, did I hear right? Did this gentleman say Tarzan of the Apes? He did, my friend. And I am Paul Darnot, lieutenant in the Navy of France. My God, it's, it's unbelievable. If I hadn't seen it with my own two eyes, I... Oh, sure, sure, and excuse me, gentlemen. I, I'm, I'm still a bit dizzy from my fall. My name's Terence O'Rourke. What brought you out here in the jungles, apart from your camp, alone? I was following the trail when, when that big devil he killed put me up a tree and... <laughs> And the panther knocked me out of it again. Mais, Monsieur Rock, you had a rifle. Why did you not shoot the leopard? Yes, and I did. But I only wounded him. <laughs> he jumped, knocked me gun one way and me the other. If it hadn't been for you, uh, Tarzan of, of the apes, Teddy O'Rourke could be playing the harp for the devil this night. Uh, I'm thanking you. Forget it. Where is your safari? Ah, uh, the black spalpins. They deserted two weeks ago and left the four of us to find our way out of the jungle as best we could. Four of you? Major Ashley, Miss Burton, Dr. Wong Tai, a haven Chinese, and myself. Miss Burton? There is then a woman in your party? There is. The jungle is no place for a woman. <laughs> and we all tried to make her see that, but she wouldn't hear of it. <laughs> She's got a mind of her own, <laughs> as you'll learn when you meet her. Now, if, we, if we're to make camp before dark, we'd better start. Right. Come on, Darnell. The trail I was following, Tarzan. I'd like for you to have a look at that. 
The sun dips behind the western hills, turning the azure sky to a deep velvety blue as the three men vanish in the serried ranks of giant trees. In the little clearing, the great forest rising in ramparts of green above them, Major Ashley, Jeanette, and Dr. Wong are anxiously waiting the return of Aurora. Stop worrying about Terry, Jeanette. He's certainly capable of looking after himself. Oh, but he said he'd be back before dark. And those shots we heard, there were two shots, Uncle Jim. When he left, Terry said that he'd fire twice if he needed help. But they were too far apart to have been a signal. If I am not mistaken, Major, those shots we heard were not fired from the same rifle. Strange. That's the impression I received, Wong. Then that hideous creature I saw must have been armed. But certainly not with a modern sporting rifle, my dear. Oh, if he found that Terry was following him... Oh, Uncle Jim, Terry may be lying out there in the jungle wounded or dead. We must look for him. Terry is as jungle-wise as any man I know, Jeanette. He's not going to let him be shot by a native. Don't worry. He'll show up presently. It is coming night, my child. In a few minutes, it will be dark. Five paces beyond the circle of firelight and... Hey, you hear that? The jungle beasts prowl and hunt at night. However, if by chance anything has happened to O'Rourke, he cannot be left there alone. I shall find him. But can't we all go? It will minimize the danger that... Oh, the gun! Oh, thank heaven. There he is now. Terry! Terry! Are you all right? All right, you go now. Why, there are two men with him. Look, Uncle Jim. That tall man with Terry. He's wearing a, a leopard skin garment. And carrying a bow and arrow and a rope. Great Scott, one. What a marvelous specimen of manhood. Amazing. Faith, and by the looks of your faces, you were expecting to see Terry or Rock's ghost. Oh, Terry. We heard the shots, and you, you're not wounded. Oh, if you can call a dirty bump on the head wound. <laughs> I'm all right. But if it hadn't been for this gentleman, Akutla, Terry or Rock would be worse than wounded. Let me present Lieutenant Darno of the French Navy and Tarzan of the, of the Apes. Miss Burton, Major Ashley, and Dr. Wan Sai, gentlemen. I am A most surprising occurrence, gentlemen. Oroch trails a savage and returns with two white men. How did you accomplish it, Terry? Oh, by golly, I, I ain't sure myself yet. I was following that fellow Jeanette saw when, when a lion put me up a tree. A minute later, I fell out of it with a leopard around my neck. <laughs> then these two gentlemen dropped down out of the sky. The lieutenant shot the leopard, and Tarzan killed the lion with a knife. Killed a lion with a knife? I said, with a knife. If I hadn't seen it with my own two eyes, I'd... Well, I'd be calling myself a liar by the clock. Je vous demande pardon, Major. Monsieur O'Rourke tells us that your safari deserted you some time ago. You are doubtful as to your present location? In other words, are we lost? Frankly, Lieutenant, we are. Our instruments, compasses, etc., along with practically all of our food supplies, are in the Kilindini River. Two weeks ago, we attempted to cross when the river was in flood. And your carriers? Why did they leave you? Ah, them black heathen. It was something about a taboo. It was probably because of our intention to enter country which was taboo to the natives. You lost your equipment before you entered this country? Yes. We had not fully decided to continue. The matter was under discussion. You see, gentlemen, we were convinced that we were close to our destination, at least near the territory in which our goal is set to be located. We didn't wish to turn back without making an attempt to ascertain if our maps of information were correct. Oh, where were you going? What were you looking for? A place known as the City of Thor. The City of Thor? I have never heard of it. Have you, Tarzan? No. 
You say you had maps of the region, Major? Yes, but they were lost along with our outfit. You know Africa, uh, the jungle well, Mr. Tarzan? Tarzan, is he not? Yes, I know the jungle fairly well. Oh, then you can tell us where we are. You are at least three weeks hard travel from the nearest point of civilization, white men. Three weeks, eh? And three or four days from the closest native village. Even that will be too far for the supplies we still have. Which direction had you been traveling, Major Ashley? West. Hoping to strike a river that would take us to Lake Tanganyika. Tanganyika, a long way from here. Northwest. You had better go with us. We're headed in an opposite direction, but you'll reach a native village in three or four days. We'll accept your offer. Then, of course, and thanks. Your kindly arrival has certainly relieved the situation. Your safari is camped near here? We have no safari. You mean, Tarzan, you are traveling alone through this wilderness? Just you two? Yes. But where do you camp to protect yourself from the animals? Where do you get your food? The animals don't annoy us, Miss Burton. Then, gentlemen, you remain with us. Or rather, we shall join you and place ourselves in your hands. You will accept the leadership of our little party, Tarzan? Yes. Well, that's a relief. Now, Terry, if you put some more wood on the fire, I'll see what I can find in this stuff for our supper. Sure, Kushler. I'll have the fire going just in a minute. Listen. That strange cry again. Oh, it makes my flesh creep. It sounds so, so threatening. That is the second time today, Tarzan, we have heard it. What do you make of it, mon ami? Nothing. As I told you this afternoon, I've never heard it before today. Them footprints I showed you. The ones I followed out there in the jungle. Half human. With two great talons instead of toy foot. But I never caught sight of the spalpeen that made them. Good heavens. It sounds close. It was only a few minutes after we heard it this afternoon that I saw that awful face watching. Behind you, Tarzan. At the edge of the clearing. Oh, oh Uncle Jim. What an awful-looking creature. The men about the fire leaped to their feet and turned to the spot indicated by Jeanette. Advancing into the circle of firelight, slowly, cautiously, is a monstrous being. Its skin a bright saffron. The repulsive creature's thickly muscled body, naked except for a loincloth made from the hide of some animal, is as devoid of hair as a slab of marble. Its feet terminate in two strong talon-like claws. Small, red, wicked eyes, fixed dotingly upon Jeanette, glitter evilly from beneath a low, flattened cranium. The great protruding jaw, with its wide mouth and thick, slavering lips, is thrust savagely forward. In its left hand, the awesome creature carries a twisted cudgel. In its right, a heavy copper-bladed spear. As the men about the fire leap to their feet, the yellow-skinned creature pauses, stares savagely at Tarzan, who steps to eat it. <laughs> Suddenly, with an unearthly shriek, the half-human being bounds forward, draws back its right arm, and hurls a heavy spear directly at Tarzan. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Deserted by their quarry, lost in the jungle, 
Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Terence O'Rourke, and Dr. Wong Lai are camped in a clearing near a waterhole. O'Rourke is rescued from the double attack of a lion and a leopard by Tarzan, who, with Darno, is passing nearby. On learning of the predicament of Major Burton Ashley and his friends, the ape man agrees to lead them to a native village. The little group is seated around the campfire discussing plans, when, from the corners of his eyes, Dr. Wong catches a flash of movement at the edge of the clearing. Tarzan, behind you, at the edge of the clearing. Oh, Uncle Jim, what an awful creature. Look. Leaping to their feet, the men turn to the spot indicated by Wong and Jeanette. Into the circle of firelight, advancing slowly, cautiously, is a monstrous, yellow-skinned, half-human figure. Its huge, heavily-muscled body, hairless and naked except for a hide loincloth, sways from side to side as it moves forward. Its feet, terminating in two talon-like claws, make no sound as they grip the ground. Its wicked red eyes, glaring evilly, are fixed on Jeanette. The creature's right hand grasps a heavy copper-bladed spear. Its left, a great twisted cudgel. By the ghost of St. Patrick, it's the devil himself. At the sound of O'Rourke's soft exclamation, the repulsive yellow-skinned creature pauses. It glares savagely at Tarzan as the ape man moves quickly toward it. Your gun, Terry. No, no, no. Do not shoot. Leave this to Tarzan. Turn it out, Tarzan. The spear. Before the Frenchman can complete his warning, the half-human thing bounds forward with a blood-curdling shriek and hurls the heavy spear straight at the ape man. Simultaneously with his answering challenge, Tarzan drops to the ground as though struck down by an invisible titanic fist. The deadly spear flashes harmlessly over his shoulder. Without halting its blind rush, the gigantic creature swings the cudgel at the ape man's head. Swift as thought, Tarzan rolls aside. His hand darts out to grasp the monster's talon foot. With a howl of savage rage, the half-human brute crashes to its knees. Before it has time to regain its feet, Tarzan leaps upon its back. A bronze, muscular arm encircles the yellow neck. The great hairless head pulled backward. The ape man's knife flashes, buries itself deep in the heavy throat. With a strangled scream, the yellow monstrosity falls forward, sags to the ground, dead. Jim. Steady, old girl. It's all over the push, huh? Incredible. A creature twice the size of Tarzan. But you are hurt, mon ami. There is blood on your shoulder. Not mine. I'm going to the waterhole to wash it off. Big Gotti. That's the way he killed the lion that had me marked for its supper. There was blood. Your friend, Lieutenant. He is hurt. Restez tranquille, mademoiselle. Tarzan was not even scratched. He will return presently. Gad, what a sight. I thought that spear passed completely through him when he fell. And the... The frightful shriek he gave when he killed that thing. It was the same cry he gave when he killed the lion that had me treed. What does it mean, Lieutenant? It is the victory cry of the great apes. The great apes? What do you mean? Just that, Monsieur le Docteur. You see, impossible as it sounds, Tarzan was taken by the apes when he was an enfant, raised by a she-ape who had lost her own baby. Through living his entire life in the jungle, he has learned by experience how to cope with it and its inhabitants. You mean he was brought up by the apes? Lived with them? Oui, mademoiselle, justement ça. He has learned to live and protect himself as do the wild beasts of the jungle. Unbelievable. They want an utterly amazing example of the influence of the uh, environment. And yet, 
One of the handsomest men I've ever seen. Mais oui, mademoiselle. He is a perfect type of the strongly masculine Ashley. A creature unmarred by dissipation or brutal or degrading passion. But, Lieutenant, he speaks rather good English. How did he learn it? It was not until he had grown to young manhood that he saw his first white man or woman. He found a little party of whites shipwrecked on a desolate part of the African coast. I joined the party later. It was from them that he first learned to speak English. And he's never been out of the jungle. Knows nothing of our civilization. Oh, contraire, Monsieur Major. He's seen Paris, London, New York, many places. But he does not appreciate our so-called centers of civilization. He much prefers his jungle and its savage denizens. His ancestors, his father and mother, does he not know who they were? Maybe. His parents were Lord and Lady Greystoke. What's that? The Greystokes? Of Greystoke Manor, they were British. Oui, monsieur, c'est ça. Tarzan is Lord Greystoke. However, he refuses to be known by any other name than Tarzan. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. The Greystokes dropped out of sight years ago. If I remember rightly, Greystoke had been commissioned by the Foreign Office to investigate slave trading in a British West Coast African colony. They disappeared. Hey, and... Major, here he comes. Écoutez, may I suggest that a discussion be dropped, at least in his presence? He does not care to speak of it, nor of his past life in the jungle. Where have you been? Circling the clearing. There's nothing more to fear from those fellows. He is the only one who was near the water hole. Jeanette, my dear, does this, uh, this creature look anything like the one you saw this afternoon? Yes. Although I only caught a glimpse of its face watching you through the fringe of underbrush, I'm sure it's the same. Ashley, did you happen to notice the feet of this, I suppose it might be called a man, the heel and instep of a human being? The toes? Well, of an animal. Because them claw feet would fit the footprints I followed. You saw them, Tarzan. What do you make of them? I'd say you were right. The prints you showed Dono and me were probably made by this man or another like him. In your jungle experience, Tarzan, have you ever come across other beings such as this? No. Have you ever seen a leopard man? Yes, once or twice. Now you're barking up the wrong tree, Doctor, if you're trying to put this fellow among the leopard men. Yet... Those talon-like claws. Oh, them leopard fellows are blacks, cannibals. But they're human beings. This creature is neither human nor animal. He has the body of a man, the claws of a vulture. Look at them talons. You never saw a fur-bearing animal with claws like that? Well, whatever it is, you're not going to leave it here in camp for us to look at. Certainly it's anything but a pretty sight. I'll be burying it. That's not necessary, O'Rourke. Leave it to me. I'll return it to the jungle. By morning, Dango will have taken care of it. Dango? Who's that? Listen. Hyenas. Yes, Dongo. He and his brothers are already gathering for the feast. Ah, yes, comprehend. You don't mean they'll eat it? Yes. Oh. I'll give you a hand, Tarzan. No, stay here. I'll take care of it. Yes, and did you see how easy he picked the thing up? And it went again as much as its own self. Oh, because that fellow has the strength of ten good men. Uh, may I suggest, Mademoiselle Berton, that if we are to get an early start in the morning, you get what sleep you can? Oh, I can't sleep, Lieutenant. Not after all that's happened. Come, come, my dear. Lieutenant Darno is right. You've had a rather eventful day of it. You need rest. Terry and Wong and I will stand guard with Sergeant... There will be no need for that, Major. Tarzan and I shall relieve you of that duty tonight. It is easy to see that you are all exhausted and in need of sleep. But you and Tarzan sleeps like an animal, Monsieur the Doctor Long, with one eye open, so to speak. And moi, I am not fatigued. We have traveled by easy stages, 
I've not tired ourselves by cutting our way through the forest. You'll be sleeping like a baby in no time, Akushla. Here, I'll fix your blanket. Oh, very well, then. But for those lions and things roaring and shrieking out there, I certainly don't expect to get much sleep. So long as Tarzan is watching over the camp, mademoiselle, you need not worry about the animals. None will disturb you. Well, good night, then. When Tarzan said that we might reach a native village in three days, Lieutenant, did he have any particular one in mind? Uh, the Mayotta of uh, an acquaintance of ours, Doctor, one Ashmed, a trader in, shall I say, ivory? He will furnish you with guides. Then Tarzan must be familiar with this section. Strange he's never heard of the city of Thor. Mon major, Africa is filled with legends of lost and ancient cities. Tarzan and I have seen several. Ashmed's village is beyond this section of the country, and Tarzan is not familiar with this particular district. Then how in heaven's name does he know where he is any more than we do? How does he find his way? <laughs> he calls it his animal instinct. He has an uncanny sense of direction, and I have never seen him hesitate for a single instant in going directly to the place he wishes to reach. I wonder what's keeping him out there. He's been gone a long time. He will return when he... Ah, why yeah. There he is, up there, in the tree. Begari, will you look at that? He swings down through them branches like a young ape. Well, Tarzan, you had us worried. We were just about to... Is she asleep? Yes. Why? Listen. Drums, my Joe. Wait, Miss Burton. No time to explain now. Wake her up. What? Jeanette. Jeanette, wake up. What? What is it? Don't be frightened, child. We're breaking camp, I believe. Is that it, Tarzan? Yes. We're taking to the trees. I picked the place. That's what kept me so long. Break camp and leave nothing lying around. Put out that fire, Darno, and come, all of you. Here, Miss Burton, with me. Now, stay close together. Followed by the others, Tarzan strides off into the impenetrable gloom of the jungle. Five hundred paces from the clearing, he pauses beneath the giant Podocarpus tree. Here. These vines are twisted together. Easy to climb. I'll go first with Miss Burton. Climb slowly and make as little noise as possible. Come on. Slowly, easily, carrying Jeanette in his left arm, Tarzan mounts the twisted vines. Awkwardly but steadily, the four men follow. Fifty feet above the ground, the ape man breaks through a mass of dense foliage and steps onto a platform constructed of interwoven limbs and branches. He puts Jeanette down and turns to help the others. Presently, all are gathered together. About them, a thick wall of tangled leaves and matted vegetation. Above the jungle chorus of the night and beneath the crystal stars comes the distant thudding of drums. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Passing through the jungle on their way to a distant territory, Tarzan and Darno rescue Terence O'Rourke from the double attack of a lion and a leopard. 
The two friends accompany O'Rourke to a small camp in a forest clearing where they meet Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, and Dr. Wong Tai, who, with the Irishman, constitute all that remains of the Burton-Ashley expedition. Upon learning that the four whites have been deserted by their native bearers and are lost, Tarzan agrees to lead them out of the jungle. The ape-man fights and kills a gigantic, yellow-skinned, half-human creature in defense of the whites. In returning from a reconnoitering tour, Tarzan breaks camp and conceals the party high in the branches of a tree on a platform he has constructed for the purpose. As the little group gains the hidden refuge, they hear the distant thudding of drums. What is it, Tarzan? Drums. War drums. I know, but who's beating them? What does it mean? Natives, Miss Burton. Probably a war party. Those drums don't seem to be coming any closer. No, not yet. Nevertheless, I thought it wiser and safer for you to break camp and come here. This platform is wide enough for all of you to lie down and get some sleep while you can. And if those natives should come this way? You'll all be safe here. I suggest sleep because we'll have to travel fast and far and carefully before daylight. Then we'll do the best we can. Here, Jeanette, roll up in that blanket between Wong and me. Well, now, just to round out the day and make it perfect, either you or Dr. Wong should fall out of this cradle and land on a lion or something. Those limbs and branches will keep you from falling. Now, get what rest you can. Dono, you put the fire out and scatter the ashes? Me oui, mon ami. And you are sure nothing was left behind? Nothing. You must have had a good reason for your actions, Tarzan. What did you find? I left that yellow man's body for Dango, made a complete circle of the clearing, and when I came back to my starting point, the party was gone. Ah, Dango had already... No, he had not been near it. Or if he had, something drove him off. Mm, some other animal, of course. No, I examined the ground. I found two-toed footprints. Like the ones O'Rourke showed us this afternoon. A very dear. I couldn't help hearing you, Tarzan. I want no to know your voice. No use frightening Miss Burton. Right here. Yeah. And you say he found more of them car tracks? Yes. The ground where I dropped the body showed several pairs. Then those drums, mon vieux. You think... I'm that... sure those drums are being pounded by the yellow men. Then why didn't they attack old camp? Numa, the land keeps them from a night attack. They'll figure on attacking at daylight. We'll be gone by then. If we... Why did we not leave at once instead of coming here? Because they'll send one or two single scouts who can take to the trees in case they meet Numa to locate and watch the camp or follow if we leave. I'm simply giving those scouts a chance to come and return with the report that we've disappeared. Which will bring the whole crowd here to pick up our trail, is that it? Exactly. But not until sunup. By that time, we'll be well on our way. I'm going back to the clearing now and watch. When the scouts have gone away, I'll be back. And then we'll leave. Now, sleep if you can, O'Rourke. Darno will watch. Gary, Lieutenant. There's a fella after me own heart. <laughs> but can we get away with it? <laughs> what do you think, Monsieur O'Rourke? Tarzan's powerful left hand grasps a trailing vine, a dizzy sweeping arc, and he vanishes in the dense blackness. From one lofty branch to another, through treetops that rock and sway at his swift passage, he makes his way back to the little clearing. In the dim distance, the throb of drums swells and fades on the vagrant night wind. Darno, with his rifle across his knees, leans back against the huge trunk of the photocarpus, listening to the stealthy footfalls of padded paws, mingling with the sharp snapping of twigs and the wild calls of savage life, the ominous, depth-filled voice of the jungle night. The Frenchman nods drowsily. Presently, a soft rustle of leaves, a slight jar as a dark shape drops from above and lands lightly on the platform beside him. 
Instantly, he's awake. He's rifle ready. Darnold. Ah, mon dieu. Ah, mon ami, I must have slept. Waken the others. We're leaving. Did they come to the clearing, the yellow man? Yes, only one. Went back to the village or camp to report. Ashley. Huh? What? Oh, uh, yes, Tarzan? Oh, Rock. Dr. Wong. Yes. Miss Burton. Yes, yes, Tarzan, I'm awake. Keep your voice low. Don't make any more noise than you have to. Get your things together quickly. I do not hear the drums. They stopped long ago. It'll be daybreak in a couple of hours. It must be a long way from here by then. Through this jungle? Why, it's as black as the inside of a tunnel. How are we going to... An elephant trail at the foot of this tree. We'll follow that. Are you ready? Oh, yes. ready. Come, Miss Burton. I'll carry you. Darnell, let the others go first, and you follow. Oui, je comprends. With the speed of a falling stone, Tarzan drops from limb to limb through the darkness to land with a soft thud on the jungle path. Oh, good gracious. That drop took my breath. I thought we were falling. By Jove, I say it's dangerous, this sliding down 50-foot vines. Don't talk. It is stated in the classics that all things which go up must eventually come down. The upward trip was far less difficult than the downward. Yes, and I didn't have many claws before. Now there's nothing left of me, shirt but the sleeves. And Darnell? The lieutenant was right on my neck. Oh, here he comes. Oui, Tarzan? Here. Oh, it's so dark I can't see my hand in front of my face. How in the name of common sense are we going to keep together? Take hold of this rope. All of you. And don't let go. Darno, you last. Lead. Come on. That lion, Tarzan. He's very close. Numa has fared, Miss Burton. He won't bother us if we leave him alone. Let us hope the all-seeing who guides our footsteps has cleared our path of jungle beasts. Thus, through mile after mile, Tarzan leads his charges from one dark jungle pathway into another. From the thick black oppressiveness of the forest about them comes the deep coughing roar of savage beasts. To at least four of the travelers, every tree and bush seems but the lurking place of some huge and horrible monster. Presently, a dense blue-gray mist creeps slowly through the tangle of underbrush, and little by little, nearby objects begin to stand out in dim, ghostly relief. The heavy mist becomes tenuous, begins to lift gradually. Until, in a slight puff of wind, it twines itself like a silver silken scarf about vine, tree, and bush. The patterned roof of the forest becomes etched in the timid green of dawn. Then, abruptly, the red rays of the sun beat diagonally into the gray mist of the jungle. Beside the trunk of a giant baobab tree, on the bank of a swiftly flowing stream, Tarzan halts. We'll rest here. There's water. We'll not build a fire. Yes. I hope I never go through such an experience again. I was never so frightened in my life. I do, but it was rather nerve-wracking. You may sick, zealous, and deep-throated monks curse those yellow fiends in all their ways unceasingly. I expected every moment to have them rush at me out of the darkness. Faith, and it wasn't the yellow devils I was worried about. I felt as if every lion in Africa was walking alongside of me, waiting for me to let go of that rope of Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we are out of the danger zone, Tarzan, as far as those yellow men are concerned? No. In that case, I suggest that we proceed at once. You're not tired? Oh, on the Then fill the canteens. Sure, and we'll do that. Come over here with them water bags. I'll fill them. Me too, Neveu. You are nervous, Tarzan? Why? These people are no. A wolf is the only one who knows the jungle. The others are used to traveling with a safari. We're going to have our hands full. <laughs> but we have had our hands full before this, with others who knew less of the jungle. 
Once we reach Ahmed's village, and I we... suppose, Doctor Wong, that you and Uncle Jim are going to organize another expedition and begin your search for that old city all over again. <laughs> we have not discussed that phase of the situation. That's the idea, Janet. Exactly. I'm sorry to interrupt the discussion, but we must get underway. If you're all ready, we'll go. All right, all ready, Tarzan. Which way? Downstream on the riverbank. Come on. However, to get back to our future plans, that is exactly what we have in mind, Janet. What? A second expedition to find the city of Thor. You don't seem to understand what such a discovery would lead to, what it would mean to the world of science. The finding of a heap of old vine-covered stones in the middle of the African jungle. And that's a boon to science? No, Uncle Jim. I'm sorry, but I don't understand. Oh, but suppose, my child, it were not a heap of vine-covered stones. Suppose it still stands in all its ancient barbaric beauty. Peopled by a living race of ancient men, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, very well. Have it your way, Dr. Wong. But seriously, we've had nothing but trouble since leaving Nairobi. And now you ought to go... Quiet. Listen. Who is it, Tarzan? Somebody coming this way? No. Camp just ahead. No more talk now. Walk softly. Come on. In cautious single file, the little company proceeds slowly along the riverbank, close to the jungle spring. In the lead, Tarzan moves forward with the alert noiselessness of Sheeta the leopard. The sound of strange guttural voices grows ever louder as the group nears a heavy tangle of underbrush that juts out over the river, obstructing the view of the bank beyond. Presently, the ape-man lifts his hand in silent gesture for his friends to stop. Stealthily, without so much as the rustle of a single leaf, Tarzan moves a heavily matted branch aside and stares into a man-made clearing on the brink of the river. Jeanette, close behind him, looks cautiously over his shoulder. Good heavens! Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!